You are listening to a sermon series from Open Door Fellowship Church. Well, good morning, Open Door. It's been a while uh, since I've been able to say that, or I have said that from up here. And uh, I remember Mike as well, who had hair as long as mine. Uh, back in the day, is <clears throat> longer than today, uh, but back then when we first met, and uh, I remember uh, many, uh, many late nights with Mike uh, wrestling through with things, and uh, it, was, uh, it was a blessed time, but uh, thank you for allowing me to be here uh, again with you this morning, to come um, and to bless you with the word. My books are going to slide off this wood, so I don't know. This guy. Oh. Thank you. All right, good. So I only brought, brought a couple books with me, which uh, for those <laughs> who have been part of my congregation for a while know I like to, to bring books uh, with me when I preach the Word. But it is good to be here again with you guys this morning. I, uh, I come here this morning. It's been at least 10 years since I preached to you. We, I was a part of this congregation um, and still am a part of this congregation, but we were actively a part of this congregation uh, from like 1991 to 2005. Um, I first started coming to Open Door a bit uh, in high school. Used to do stuff with the youth group. I was at other churches, but uh, some buddies who, who came here. And, and you know how it is when you're high school, you have any opportunity to meet more girls. And, and uh, yeah, so as many youth groups that you can go to and things. So um, Randy Thompson was a youth pastor. So we, we, we did, uh, did some fun things with him, went to Disneyland, hiked down to have a soup pie and things like that. But I, I came back here in 1991 after... Uh, four years in the Marine Corps and a year at Moody Bible Institute, and uh, like I like to say, I survived four years in the Marine Corps, but only one year at Moody Bible. So I came, I came back to Open Door uh, in 91, uh, pretty, pretty broken and in need of God's love and grace, and we'll probably, I'll probably tell you more about that as time goes on, but you guys received me in here, and, uh, um, and God used this community to change my life, really, quite frankly, so... Um, we left in 2005. We left in 2005 as, as not just to leave, but we were sent out. Uh, and if, for those of you here, you might have remembered the day uh, we, uh, me and my wife, Christine, and, and our children, Cody and Rachel, we, we got to come forward and be prayed over and be sent out uh, as uh, I pursued a calling to be ordained as a minister in the Anglican church and, and, and plant and, and pastor uh, as an Anglican minister. And that's what I've been doing. You guys, we've been, you've, we, we were sent out and we've been doing that. And we are doing that. We continue to do that. We continue in that work. Um, and so we covet your prayers to that end. I, I pastor a church called St. George's Anglican Church. Um, and uh, it's been an ongoing, beautiful, uh, messy uh, and wonderful adventure. And it continues to be so. So I am blessed. So thank you guys. Um, it's beautiful to be able to preach in this passage here uh, in Romans chapter 12, uh, to be invited into that. As John mentioned last week, this is like his wedding passage. He uses this in, in all of his, he's used it in so many different weddings, and, and some of you may recall that, and I recall that uh, as well. Um, it's so literally two months from now, May 22nd, will be uh, Christine and I's 25th wedding anniversary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and John and uh, Dennis Martin did our wedding ceremony, and, uh, and that passage was uh, certainly what he spoke from back in the day. I remember that. Um, it was a beautiful day. Connie Teelberg, uh, we had a reception at uh, your uh, condominium place afterwards, a little barbecue, and so what a blessing, um, Wendell. 
Um, what a blessing to come here this morning and see Jerry Stern and be able to greet him with, hey, big brother, which I haven't done in, in too long. So it's good. So I, uh, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to preach the word to you guys. I got one more thing. You know, I, we, we left, we sent out, we're doing that work. We've continued to have some things. I, I continue to be able to minister. Even though I preached up here, you know, over the last number of years, especially the first five or six, seven years that we were gone, um, I, I had the opportunity to minister with junior high ministry, Nicole Hunter, uh, when my kids were in junior high and, and stuff, and, and minister there uh, with her, and, and then with Jason Ellis and the high school ministry, got to do some fun things um, and blessed things there in the ministry. And what's really cool about today is, as I have the privilege of standing up here and ministering, it's the last thing I'll say is uh, Cody, our son, is out there with Jason uh, and helping with TLT this morning, and uh, invited him to do that. And, and you know, he doesn't worship here um, anymore regularly either. So uh, to on this day, what is invited? I just found that Cody just told me yesterday. I was like, well, that's really cool uh, to be able to father and son ministering and, and with and amongst um, Open Door Fellowship on this day. So I am going to now do what I'm invited to do is to preach the word. So let me pray here for the word this morning as we enter into it. Let us pray. Faithful God, you caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and always hold firmly to the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior. Jesus Christ. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you and your sight, my rock and my redeemer, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans chapter 12. I'll actually be here again next week as well. Um, so... Uh, four verses to work our way through, two this morning and, and two next week. Romans chapter 12, let me read for us verses 12 and 13, and if you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there, whether it be something that looks like this, this is what used to be called a book, or if you've got it in something like this. Either way, uh, turn there, because we're going to work our way in the Scriptures uh, this, this morning. So, here... The words of God through um, St. Paul to the church gathered in Rome. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. It's the word of the Lord. This passage, um, on the surface, reading it here, hearing it here, read aloud, um, sort of sounds like a, a bit of a to-do list. Do this, do rejoice in hope. Do uh, be constant in prayer, etc. But it's not. It's not a to-do list. These verses are actually uh, more descriptions, descriptions of what genuine love looks like. If you look at verse 9, what John preached on last week, let love be genuine. It fits in the whole context of this passage. What does genuine, genuine love look like? These words, as it is always it is with God, uh, they're invitations. Invitations to live out love 
with one another in very specific, tangible ways. It connects us all the way back to verse 1 of this passage where, where Paul appeals to us, where he, in the old language, beseeches us by the mercies of God, by the love of God, by the compassion of God to offer ourselves, and not specifically ourselves, our bodies to be a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God because love works itself out in very tangible ways. We're physical beings, and we live in a physical, material world. And so love looks like doing. It looks like action. And this is a, a picture of that. Uh, Griffith Thomas, he's the only Anglican I'll quote from this morning. He was about 100 years ago, uh, W.H. Griffith Thomas, uh, in his commentary here on Romans he actually quotes a paraphrase here as I read this uh, regarding especially the triplet here of hope and uh, uh, patience and constancy in prayer. Um, quotes Holman's paraphrase of this verse. He says, Insofar as we have cause to hope, let us be joyful. Insofar as we have cause of pain, let us hold out. And insofar as the door of prayer is open to us, let us continue to use it. It's a paraphrase of that verse that here in the, in the English uh, standard version says rejoice uh, in hope. So I really want to look at, uh, I want to look at four things. I want to unfold four things here. And really it's asking you the question, what does love look like? And in this passage, in these two verses, it looks like this. With regards to hope, love looks like joy. Love looks like rejoicing. In regards to tribulation or hardship, it looks like being patient and enduring. In regards to prayer, it looks like consistently accepting God's invitation to meet with Him, to call upon His name, where He will meet with us. In regards to money and our material possessions, Love looks like living generously, actively sharing our resources with others. As I kind of try to write in the blurb for Julie this week, you know, um, in, in working through this passage as we enter it. Now, each one of those things, by the way, could be a sermon in and of itself. And I've only got two weeks, and those are four points, and i got two more verses to preach from next week. So uh, we're just going to have to highlight on some of these things. Yeah, rather than being able to enter into them fully as I would love to do with you guys this morning. Um, but we're going we're gonna to highlight some of these things. But there, here's, uh, just as a, as a backdrop, as we enter into this passage again, what struck me is, as, I, as I read through all of these verses from 12.1 in uh, into this is, is that we belong to God, which we just sang about, right? Did we just sing that we've been adopted, that we're sons and daughters of the King, that we're part of the family of God, that we belong to Him. But the reality is we don't just belong to God, we also belong to each other. We belong to each other. Romans 1 through 11, all those passages that Stuart Black took everyone through in a really rapid-fire way on one Sunday morning, right? Um, this is all about what God has done in, in justifying us and sanctifying us and ultimately glorifying us and what he's done to reconcile us with him through the work of Jesus Christ so that we have peace with God. It's all about, as it culminates in Romans chapter 8, his adoption of us as his sons so that we are children 
of God, that we are sons and daughters of the King, and there is nothing that can separate from us from His love. But if you pause for just a minute and you think about that reality, that I'm a, I'm a son of God, I'm in, I'm in God's family, uh, and it doesn't take too long, especially if you look around the room a little bit, I'm assuming, you realize, hey, wait, I'm not an only child here. Uh, I'm not an only child. I mean, God is my father, uh, and, and as much as there's a sweetness to that old song, uh, uh, in the garden alone, I walk through the garden alone, he walks with me, he talks with me, uh, that's not just unique to me, right? Um, I look around and go like, well, you're a Christian, so God's your father too, and, and your father, and your father. And so if you call him father, then um, that means we're, we're related to each other, right? We are brothers and sisters, we're brothers and sisters. Now, um, if you have actual physical brothers and sisters, that may just put some th thoughts in your mind. And there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of good, bad, and ugly, right? Uh, related to brothers and sisters, whether in your past or present, whatever. We got it. But there, and I have a number of siblings, and I have good and bad and ugly with my siblings from past and present, all the other kind of stuff. But I have an attachment to my brothers and sisters in this life. I mean, it's just there, right? It is just there. Um, and when I think about my brothers and my sisters, you know, um, there is a connection to them. I didn't create. Uh, and uh, as, as again, as much as that good and the bad dog is there, it's just present. Um, and it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's hard and challenging, but it's beautiful and sweet. There, there is a connection. We belong to God. We didn't do anything to make ourselves belong to God. He did that. He called us unto Himself. He saved us. He caused us to be born again, as, as Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, according to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we belong to Him. And we also didn't have anything to do with our first birth, our, our, our physical birth. You didn't have anything to do with that. Your father and your mother did, and you probably don't want to think too much about what they did, but they did, and there you are nine months later. You were born. You had nothing to do with that. Yes, God's behind all of this as well. Um, we respond to His love. God's initiating love to us and in, 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 in that we belong to Him, uh, but we belong to Him together. This is that striking statement. Here's the only thing I want to pull out of, the, uh, of these early verses here, where it says in verse 5, so that we... Uh, many are one body in Christ, and we are individually members one of another. Individually members one of another. That's a striking verse. There's an attachment, like the attachment I have with my, my earthly brothers and sisters. We have an attachment to each other. We who call God our Father in Jesus Christ. We're in Christ and we're privileging Christ to call His Father our Father. We do that together. We're individuals, members one of another. We belong to each other. And if our response to God and His initiating, redeeming, salvific love towards us is to love Him in return, which it is, then our response to God in that same work in you and you and you is for me, out of that response is to, to love you likewise. So when we come to these verses, these are descriptions. They're descriptions because the, the way this is structured here, again, it sounds like rejoice in hope is a direct command. There's actually only two direct commands in this entire passage. 
in, in the Greek, and I won't do a lot of Greek with you because I'm not a grammarian, um, and some of you are probably better at Greek than me, uh, and I won't get lost in that. But there's actually only two direct commands in this whole passage leading to the verses we hit on today, and they're both in verse 2. The two direct commands in the imperative, ver- in, the ver- imperative in, in the Greek is, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and everything else flows out of that. And they're both in the passive. And these are, this may be one of the most abused verses in the history of the church. Um, it's been abused to uh, enforce some kind of behavior modification. Really sadly. I once was trying to decide after right, Moody and I was back here about where I'd go to Bible college afterwards. And uh, I had a couple of choices. And they all had a bunch of rules back in the day. You know, which certainly meant probably getting a haircut and a shave for me, um, at the least, which I was willing to do. But I was reading through the one booklet of this one college, and it talked about how I should look like a 1950s American clean-cut male. Um, and the, pad, the verse they used for that was Romans 12, too, and I read that, and I was like, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. I'd get my haircut for you, but not if you're going to abuse Romans 12, too, for me. I ain't going to do it. So I didn't go there. Um, I want us to think about this with Romans. What is God calling us to do? This, this passage there, it, 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 all the command flows out of this. They're both in the passive. And it really carries this idea, stop being uh, conformed to this world. And, and then the word for world is not the cosmos. It's not the physical world. It's the age. It's the thinking of this age. It's stop allowing yourself to believe the lies in the air that's all around us. We can't. We're, we're like a fish in water. The air is around us. It's the culture that's continually telling us, like, I am all that I am, and it's all on me to determine who I am. I'm the most important person in the universe. All those lies. But he says, rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And again, this is in the passage, because we can't transform ourselves. God through the Holy Spirit, does the work of transformation of us from the inside out, which is all this is flowing from here. Renewing our mind. So it's no shock that in verse 3, when, God, when, when, Peter, excuse me, when Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, what does he say in verse 3? Does he say something about thinking in verse 3? I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The direct application of being transformed by the renewing of your mind is to think appropriately of yourself, um, to think more highly of others. And this is the flow then as we walk into this passage of what love looks like. Ed Underwood uh, had this amazing little statement in his, as I listened to it online, he had this amazing little statement around the spiritual gifts. He said, I think of gifts not in relationship to people but the purpose Okay, to people but the purpose. The purpose of the gift is that I would use a spiritual gift to bless, to serve, to, to love you. To help us, to help you in this work of transformation as I enter and I receive those gifts from you by grace and by faith and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform me more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So, verse 12. With regards to joy... Excuse me, with regards to hope, rejoice. With regards to hardship or tribulation, be patient. With regards to prayer, be constant. 
As I was looking at these verses this week and, and, last, uh, and, and spending some time with them, at some point in time, they reminded me of a passage, those three words, and the connection to those three words, and it reminded me of a passage of Romans chapter 8. So let's turn over to Romans chapter 8. There is a direct context. Paul has just, chapters earlier, spent some verses actually talking about these three things. So here we are in chapter 12 where he's saying, hey, with regards to hope, be this. With regards to, you know, tribulation, be this. With regards to prayer, this. But he has unfolded what hope. He has unfolded what uh, patient enduring. He has unfolded what prayer looks like just a couple chapters later that helps inform us then how we live that out in the body. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The previous verses was just on our adoption. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly because of him who subjected it in what? In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth unto now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, in this hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with what? With patience. What's he, where's he go next in the next verse? <laughs> Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, I think you may have heard this verse before, Give us grace, Lord, to believe. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers, brothers and sisters. And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He also uh, called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. That should inform our thinking about what hope and rejoicing in hope and tribulation and being patient in tribulation and being constant in prayer looks like. What's our hope? What's our hope according to this? Christ, Christ, the return of Christ, which would, one of my favorite passages, Colossians 3. When Christ appears, who is our life? 
What's it say? It says something about glory there, doesn't it? We will appear with him in glory. And what does it say? The whole creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God, that it may be set free from the pains of childbirth, the groanings, the, the groanings that we experience. There's hope. Why did you come to Jesus? What brought you to Jesus? How long ago? What's happened since then? What are you looking forward to? Our hope is the blessed appearing and return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Paul tells us in Titus. And when we, when we spend time in that, when we spend time in His Word, when we spend time encouraging each other with this and pointing each other to Jesus and to contemplate and think on these things, that's going to transform us from the inside out because it's going to connect us to joy and rejoicing. Isaiah 35, turn over there with me. Again, uh, this, this is a whole sermon in and of itself. Mm. Isaiah 35, is there, I don't know, there might be. Is there a more beautiful passage in Scripture connecting the hope of what God is doing in, in making all things new with the fruit of the Spirit, joy in us? It's a rainy day here in Phoenix, and you guys know what happens on a rainy day in the desert in the springtime? You know what water in the desert does. Isaiah 35, verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be what? They shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. And the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. What does that do? What does that move us towards? Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And then shall the late man leap, lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. His, his tongue has been freed. Salvation has come. Waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams. Where? In the desert and the burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes and there will be a highway there. It shall be called the way of holiness and the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk in the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion will be there nor any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. 
the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy. Everlasting joy shall come upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. When heaven meets earth and the new Jerusalem comes and there'll be no more darkness and no more night and he will wipe away every tear. And his name will be on our foreheads and I will be your God and you shall be my people forever, world without end. That, as we enter into that, by faith in the Holy Spirit, it produces within us rejoicing and joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the marks of being a Christian. Joy. Yes, we get beaten down by this life. And that's why it says here, say to those who are weak and those who have feeble knees, those who have an anxious heart, your God is coming. There's a reckoning coming. Justice, perfect justice and righteousness is coming. Keep your eyes on Him and focus on Him. This, is the, this then leads into the patience that allows us to endure. We walk in the footsteps of Jesus who for what was set before Him? The joy set before Him. He endured the cross. And what is Jesus' joy? Who is Jesus' joy? We are. This is an amazing verse in Hebrews where Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 2, it's, it's, again, it's one of the most remarkable verses. Um, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 11. Let's pick it up in verse 10. Um, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. Who is that? In bringing, in bringing, here's the theme here, in bringing what? Many sons to glory should be made the founder of their salvation, perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, here's the craziest verse ever, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Okay, this isn't, this isn't us singing the praise of Jesus. This is Jesus singing our praise. He, he is proud to call us brothers and sisters. And it says that he will sing our praise in the congregation. Ponder on that for a while. Who did all the work? <laughs> Who should receive all the praise? All right, I guess that's all I got. Um, <laughs> whew. All right. Ugh. Look, it, it is tough. You guys, the world is... Uh, I, I don't just celebrate 25 years of marriage. I, I'm celebrating my 50th birthday in May as well. Yeah. 
um, amongst many other things. So anyway, uh, I'm real excited about all that. You know, I've been blessed that God rescued me um, at the earliest age. I had the privilege. It's a privilege to preach here, you guys. It was a privilege this last, uh, uh, last month to do Ash Wednesday service at Bethany Bible Church. And uh, I preached there for the Ash Wednesday service for this multi-congregational service in Bethany Bible. And Bethany Bible is where my grandparents took me when I was three years old. It's where Jesus rescued me when I was four. It's where I was baptized. And, um, and we're actually replanting St. George's in, in uh, the airborne, the old airborne room. Uh, and, and so that's a crazy sort of thing to like, man, I'm planning an Anglican church where I uh, was hanging out and with Bubba was one of my youth leaders, uh, airborne leaders, um, 1984 and 85 time frames where I was in high school and here I am planning a church in there, an Anglican church. It's crazy. Um, and so there, there, all I'm trying to say in this is I still have ways to go. I'm still pressing on, like Paul says, because all we can do. Uh, but by the grace of God, He's allowed me to journey with him for 50 years of, yeah, your father. Um, um, 50 years of my life, you know, and for a couple of, except for those couple years in the Marines where I ran hard the other direction, by the grace of God, uh, I've been journeying, uh, he's always been holding my hand, um, but I've been trying to hold his hand back for most of those 50 years. And so I, I get it. There's, there's hardship. I've lived long enough to, to see some pain and some suffering. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. And the world's a crazy dark place. Um, and it only feels as maybe I'm just getting old and curmudgeonly, but it feels like it's getting weirder and darker as it goes. But I don't know. I can't sort all that stuff out. There it is. But we are to be patient under suffering. We're to be patient under suffering. We're we out of joy. Um, to be patient in suffering, uh, that's, that's, that's what love looks like. And it's the combination of me. I, I guess I, I, as, as I've entered into this age now, I have come to recognize and what's been affirmed in me, is I've got a pretty high pain tolerance, and so I'll just remain and keep going and persevering on, and some of that has to do with my nature, some of that has to do with you know, being a recon Marine, and, and, and really it's, it's weird. So it might sound weird to you, but there are times in my life where I'm like, the things are not going well, or I'll, I'll go back and go like, I can do this. I can endure this. I can keep a Marine. It's because I'm a recon Marine, and I have, I've been, had the crap beaten out of me, so I can keep going now. Uh, and I don't do that perfectly. But greater than that, and this is what I'm pointing to, so there is that reservoir within myself. And you guys, there's, there's, there's something real about that. But um, greater than even that, in this journey of faithfulness over 50 years, is the faithfulness of God who showed up in the midst of all of that. And that's the reservoir, ultimately, that I draw off of, right? I, I have seen God show up. I have seen Him be faithful um, in my life, even when I'm faithless, as Paul says in Timothy. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope. Um, I couldn't help but thinking about the the song, I'll fly away at some point in time here. Uh, you know, some of the great spirituals and some of those great hymns that people sing that came out of hard times and desperate times, and what are they, what are they connecting to? The joy, right? Some glad morning. <laughs> when this life is over, I'll fly away to a land of what? <laughs> um, joy. To a land of joy. Um, so what do we do? What do we do that what can we do? What should we be entering into 
um, that focuses me, that gives my heart and my mind hope, that produces joy, that buoys my life in the midst of hard times and challenging times. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's being with Jesus. It's, it's reconnecting it's with Jesus. Um, prayer is an invitation to be with Him. That's it. If, if God has redeemed us and God has adopted us and we are His and we're in His family and, and th- <laughs> that means that we're in Christ, we're, we are in Colossians chapter 3, my life is hid with God in Christ Jesus who's seated in the heavenly places. I'm here existing physically, but, but in reality, my life is hid in the very life of God, the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is love and who exists forever in this eternal dance of love. And Paul in Romans chapter 6 says, I've been baptized into the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have been so united into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I have eternal life because my life is now in He who is eternal. What is eternal life? Getting to go to heaven one day? It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a narrow little slice of it. Eternal life is now, and we experience it now because our life is already seated in the heavenly places because it's already in this great mystery, incomprehensible mystery. It's been, the very, been united to the very life of God. We've become partakers of the divine nature, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1. And God wants to be with us. And so he invites us to him. He invites us to experience him relationally. Okay. We can never get more of God than we already have. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's a person. And just like we want to, you know, just like you get a text message from somebody, hey, you want to get coffee or dinner or beer sometime later this week? You know, are you going to respond to that? Who's that person? This is God, you know. I hate to bring it down this level, but it is this level. It is God sending you a text message all the time like, hey, let's get together. Um, meet me in prayer. I'll be there. Why? Because what does my word say? What does my word say? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That isn't just an invitation for you to become a Christian. That is an ongoing invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. And and it's this theme of table fellowship. It's this theme of feasting. It's this this theme of being in communion with God. How much time do I have, Mike? Just, just Exodus. I got to look at this passage. So, you know what? We may have to push the money off to next week. So, um, uh, Exodus. I, there's this amazing verse in Exodus. I was reading it recently. Let's uh, in the last month or two, and it just struck me. And it is in Exodus chapter 24. Turn to Exodus chapter 24. This is after the people of God have been rescued and redeemed out of Egypt and they've passed through the Red Sea. And they've gone to Mount Sinai and they've been given the commandments and the covenant is renewed. And if you might remember something about this, or if you don't, uh, only Moses could go up on the mountain. No one could even get close to it or touch it or they would die. Um, but at some point, 
in this passage, then God invites Moses in verse 9. It says he invites Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They get to go up. Moses and 73 others. They went up in verse 10. What did they do? They saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement, a sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. And they beheld God. And I don't know what your version says. The ESV, it says, and ate and drank. They ate and drank. All Scripture begins in the garden. It ends in the city. Everything culminates in the marriage supper of the Lamb. Why is this so important here? Feasting with God is this picture of intimacy and communion with God. It's we gather around the table with our friends and our family and our loved ones. And God invites us to his table. God invites us to his table. Um, he pursues us. And prayer uh, is, is a picture of all of this. And it, is, it certainly is individual prayer, but it's corporate prayer as well. All this is coming up together. This invitation, God's saying, I've set the table. <laughs> Kill the fattened calf, right? Rich marrow. Red wine. It's there. Come. Feast with me. Feast with me. And, and, and as we do that, as we enter into that, then God, we, we connect with God. We reconnect with hope. It produces joy in us. And it, and it produces then um, endurance and patience in hard times through this life, looking forward to what he'll do the next. There's a lot of different ways to pray. Um, I'm probably going to, I'll do this, I'll introduce that, and then we'll yeah, and we'll have to keep preaching next week. Um, let me suggest this to you guys. Let me, let, me, let me invite you into the Psalms, all right? You know, one of the, the beautiful things that uh, I've entered into in the, my last 10, 12, 13 years of, of entering into the Anglican tradition is entering into the, praying the Psalms, and the Psalm, the Psalm, or the Psalter as it's called, is the, is the prayer book of the people of God. It's the prayer book of the people of God. It's been that way for 3,000 years. It's the prayer book of Jesus. Jesus prayed the Psalms. He entered into the Psalms. And here's what's crazy. He was the author of the Psalms, right? He, he, he wrote the Psalms through David and the sons of Korah and everyone else. And then word became flesh and dwelt among us as a Jewish man, probably from a Jewish boy earlier, entered into the Psalms daily, praying the Psalms in the synagogue. What does Jesus pray on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. It's Psalm 22. And in the Jewish tradition to, to, to pray the first verse, to speak forth that first verse of the psalm, was to, to enter into the entirety of the psalm. I encourage you to read Psalm 22 at some time. Um, I prayed a psalm this morning, psalm of the morning on my phone. It was Psalm 56. And this is an old language, but I was struck by a verse this morning. 
Psalm 56 starts with this verse. It says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for men will tread me down. They are daily fighting and troubling me. And I came down to verse 8, and it says this, Thou tellest my flittings. It's my, in the middle of the night, you know, when you're, you're, not, you're kind of sleepless and you're moving around in your bed. Thou puttest my tears in thy bottle and numberest them. Are these not, are these things, uh, excuse me, are not these things noted in thy book? God takes my tears <laughs> that in, in, the, in the restlessness of the night and he puts them in his bottle and he numbers my tears. Aren't these things noted in your book? When we pray the Psalms, we enter into it. We enter into the Psalms and, and it helps us. If I had time, I'd read to you from Life Together from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is... An amazing book, but it's it, the Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. It teaches us what to pray. Um, and we're going to go to this table here where we receive the invitation to come and, and, and feast and commune together. The word communion, koinonia, fellowship. We commune with God. We commune with one another as the family of God at the table. Um, one of the great uh, things in entering the Psalms is praying the Psalms together. It tells us that we, we, it helps us to know what to pray. It helps us to enter into it. We pray what Jesus prayed and we prayed Jesus' words. I'll invite us to do that as we go. We're gonna, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to uh, pray together Psalm 5. Pray together Psalm 5. And this is how we're going to do it. That wasn't the smoothest conclusion to a sermon you've ever heard. <laughs> so it was sort of like pause, part one, and we'll pick it up in part two when we come back. This is all an invitation from God. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say the odd verse, which is leader, and you who are the body will respond with the even verses. This is called antiphonal. We'll do this back and forth. But we, we enter into it in, in the spirit who is here in us and amongst us praying together as brothers and sisters with Jesus to our Father. Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward you in your holy temple in the fear of you. For there is no truth in their mouth, their inmost self is destruction, their throat is an open grave, they flatter with their tongue. They compare their guilt, O God, let them fall by their own counsel, because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy, 
and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. Amen.